Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. If you have, quote, fallen for the love bombing or, you know, the promises, false promises, um, you're not stupid. That is the design of the abuse, right? So it is not your fault. And I think we feel that way. We feel so, we're like, I am a smart, accomplished, you know, intelligent person in all other aspects of my life. Like there's a, there's so much shame about being, you know, conned really it's a con. Um, and it's not, and, and it is not your fault. So the big questions are these, how can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I am super excited today to bring on Kate Anthony, who I've known for a couple of years now, and she is the host of an incredible podcast, which if you haven't checked it out, you definitely need to go check it out, subscribe and um, and listen. And it's the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. And she is the creator of this incredible program called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to have much more discussion around how to make those difficult decisions. Whether you're in a business relationship, a personal relationship, it doesn't really matter. If you are in a relationship that's not serving you, then you need to have this conversation with yourself about whether or not you should stay or go. I want to mention that she's got this cool like stuff in her background where she was actually an actor and she was on Sesame Street for five years and she was on Grey's Anatomy for five years. So I want to hear more all about that. Um, and she has a private coaching practice as well. And she lives in LA and she's got a really cool son who plays the guitar and um, really amazing stuff. So welcome, Kane. Thanks, Rebecca. It's so great to see you and hang out with you again. I mean, I'm sorry our friend Shaq couldn't come this time. I was just going to mention that. (laughs) So we actually met because we were both on Laura Wasser's podcast at the same time. And Shaq, you know, the Shaq. Shaq. Uh, the shack the shack <laughs> he walks in and it's there's no like denying who he is as soon as he walks in that is one massive presence in the room um, that man is literally as big as you think shack is he's bigger Yeah, exactly. I mean, we took pictures with him and we look like we are like toddlers or something. Children. (laughs) Literally like Lilliputians. Like he's so tall. Like we both came up to like maybe his chest, like his like, like the tops of our heads were maybe like at his like peck. 
Yeah, exactly. But then it's not even just the height. It's also like the massive um, presence. I mean, he's a a large man and also he fills the room with his like charisma and everything as well. I mean, that was pretty... Yeah. Pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and he was like asking us advice, by the way, like, <laughs> I would say like, he was asking us advice and we, and he was not, he did not want to hear what we had to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, so, all right, you guys are divorced. You're a divorce coach. All right, it's fine. So let me ask you this is emailing cheating. And I was like, yeah, I'm like a <laughs> trouble in paradise over there. Shaq. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm. Maybe you like, can you elaborate? And he's like, you know, I love you. I miss you. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then you tried to turn the tables on him and said, well, what would you, you know, would you like it if, if she were reading your emails that way or something? And he was like, oh, that's private or something like that. He goes, he goes, I would never be reading her stuff. I would never be, I would never be doing that. And I'm like, okay, but I mean, yes, that's true. Sure. And anyway, he wasn't having it. He wasn't. Oh, but but he, he was fun to meet. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so that's how we kicked it off. And that was like a couple of years ago. And um, so, you know, I wanted to have this conversation with you um, on my podcast about how to make this really hard decision about whether you stay in a um, toxic situation or even if it's just a situation that doesn't feel good. Like, right. right. And I think, you know, I don't know what your the demographic of your audience is, but I think for women in particular, this is a really hard road to navigate because it giving women permission to choose is a really big deal. Whether it's, you know, we're so grateful for the job, we're so, you know, we're used to asking in personal relationships, we're used to waiting for men to ask us to dance, ask us out, ask us on dates, ask us to marry them, like all of that, right? So the idea that we can choose to to exit a relationship without asking permission is a really big deal. And I think that whether we're in, whether that's in a workplace, you know, a work thing or in a personal relationship, the idea that we actually have agency and choice can be really radical for women in particular. Yeah. I mean, my audience is probably 60, 40. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I do have a lot of men who listen in. And, and I do say though, I think for men too, it's very tough. And a lot of the guys that I've spoken to, you know, they're, they're either in a business relationship. I've been coaching a lot of guys in business relationships recently, or uh, even in a personal relationship, it's still difficult because a, a lot of times, I would say 99.9% of the time, it's not all bad. Well, it, it's rarely all bad. Even, yeah. even in a toxic, abusive relationship with an with a toxic, with an abusive narcissist, it's never all bad because that's part of the cycle and part of the dynamic, right? So that's what's confusing is that it is never, it is rarely, I I don't know any situation where it's all bad because if it was all bad, like it wouldn't be a question, right? Yeah, and and what I have found, you know, in, in the toxic relationships I've been in, I mean, luckily I haven't been married to a narcissist, but I've had 
situations where people were close enough to me to wreak a lot of havoc, you know? And what I have found is it's, it's also tough because, you know, they're future faking you or they're love bombing you even when things are bad. And then you you start to go, well, okay, this time it's going to be different. But then after you give them more and more chances, now more years have gone by, more history is there, uh, you know, you're deeper into the business, you're deeper into the marriage, maybe children are now there. And so it's, it gets harder and harder to extricate yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the love bombing, that's, I mean, that is a real, that is a real thing. Um, I know I work with, I have, you know, family members, friends who are in relationships with people that the love bombing was so strong that they still can't after years, right? Years and years and years, they still can't wrap their brain around the fact that the love bombing wasn't the, wasn't the relationship that the abuse is the relationship. And I think that's like one of the hardest things to, to, to wrap, wrap your brain around. Right. I mean, I think part of that, and I'm, I want to, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on this. Maybe also because if I admit to that, then I'm having to admit that I was stupid like I just didn't see it. What's wrong with me for believing in that for so long or whatever it is? And and that's that's a hard thing to 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 look at. Yeah, it is. And you know, I want to I want to be very clear that if you have quote fallen for the love bombing or, you know, the promises, false promises, um you're not stupid. That is the design of the abuse, right? So it is not your fault. And I think we feel that way. We feel so, we're like, I am a smart, accomplished, you know, intelligent person in all other aspects of my life. Like there's a, there's so much shame about being, you know, conned really it's a con. Um, And it's not, and, and it is not your fault. You are not, you are the victim of a con and that is never your, that is never your fault. They're usually they're master manipulators. They're brilliant at the game. Um, And, and that's a really hard thing for us to come to terms with. Like, and the other thing I want to say is that most toxic abusers prey on really smart, accomplished people because that's more fun. (laughs) Right. Well, because that's where they can suck more value from. I mean, you know, and and they feel even more powerful if they can devalue somebody that has so much value. Right. Exactly. Um, Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, they, they don't, I always think, you know, because it's the most, it's one of the most sort of famous cases and the most sort of like stark, right? I always think of Dirty John in these kinds of mm-hmm. conversations, right? Because this was a really smart, accomplished woman. She clearly had some relationship naivete and a history. Um, and, you know, but but she was, you know, otherwise a very intelligent, successful person who got like soup, like really badly conned. 
you know? And, and, and it's, I, I, I can totally see how that would have happened to her though. I mean, I have so much compassion for her, right. um, you know, because here she was a woman in her fifties who was single and very, very accomplished, had a, a very successful business, uh, attractive woman who just wanted to share her life with someone. Right. She just right. wanted that connection. <laughs> As do we all, right? right. Like, yeah, that's all we all want. Exactly. Right? So he preyed upon that. Yeah. Right? And to say that she was stupid is, first of all, unkind. It's, but it's not true. She's not stupid. So not true. <laughs> so not true. And I use that vernacular just because I know that people in my community Think right, that's that how about we feel. themselves, even right. though it's 180 degrees different. I mean, 100%. these people are like, like you just said, I mean, they have spent their entire lives honing their skills of manipulation. That yes. is, you know, I always say that whole 10,000 hours thing, like that is like a drop in the bucket for how many hours they have spent right. uh, honing this skill. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah. So, Okay, so you're in this relationship and, you know, and I've had to deal with this myself and, and you know, my listeners know that I, I, I don't share who just because I don't want these people coming back at me. But, you know, I've had, you know, a person in, in my business life and then a, a family member as well that we've had to deal with. And, um, and, and it's like, you just have this pit in your stomach you know things aren't right, um, but you're just not sure why. And especially if they're like a covert narcissist because the rest of the world thinks they are wonderful, wonderful. And yeah. then that adds to your shame. It adds to your guilt. It adds to your uh, confusion, yeah. about what's going on. And so how do you um, counsel people on dealing with that and then coming to terms with, okay, maybe I should go, maybe I should end this relationship? Well, when I'm working with people on whether they should stay or go, the very first thing we do is look at themselves, right? We can, the other person is, you know, that, that comes next, right? Sometimes I will you know, very clearly show sort of show in stark relief the the truth versus the promise or the, you know, the reality versus the lie, right? Like the, this is what he's saying, but this is actually what he's doing, right? So let's look at what they're doing versus, you know, actions versus, versus words, right? That's great that he, you know, is love bombing you after having abused you, but let's look at the abuse, right? And let's look at the love bombing as actually part of the abuse, right? So there's all of that, but, but the most important work I think that needs to be done, the first thing is to look at ourselves and our own histories because we don't choose these people out of the you know clear blue sky. Most of us have been primed in some way or another from childhood, right? We have a relationship history that leads us here. And you know, I did not uh, marry my emotionally abusive, um, toxic ex-husband because you know 
you know, just because like one day I decided, right? Like that's not how that works. Unfortunately, there's a lot of sort of psychology that goes into this. And the fact of the matter is that I was primed for this. I was, you know, my my childhood was really rocky and my relationship with both of my parents was really fraught in various ways. Um, you know, there was alcoholism, there was narcissism, there's like all of the things, right? That, that leads me, that, that, um, the attachment connections in my brain connect love with all these other things as well. Mm, right. So powerful to say that, to put it in that way. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the crux of it, right? That's exactly the crux of it. I believe based on my parenting or my attachment that, that came from my initial caregivers, I have connected from infancy love with abandonment, with inconsistency, with fear, right? And all of these things and imbalance and instability, right? Because that's what I was, that's how I was initially nurtured quote, nurtured, (laughs) right? And so that's what my unconscious believes that love is and looks for in romantic partners. So I need to look at that first because as we both know, the divorce rate for first marriages is about 50%. Right now, the divorce rate for second marriages is about 68% and 74% for third marriages. So if I don't look at my attachment, um, you know, history and trauma, I'm just going to do this again, right? So, and you're going to attract those same people in your business life too. And we recreate our childhood homes, yes, in the romantic relationships and in the workplace. Yeah. So, while I was dating my ex husband, I was also in a severely abusive, toxic work environment, like crazy abusive. And I just recreated that everywhere I went, right? Right. So we got to look at ourselves first. We have to look and, at like, don't why. realize it. And it's really hard to, to turn inward like that because yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot easier to say, to point the finger and say, you did this to me, you did that to me, it's your fault, you did that. You, you know, it's that toxic situation. It's totally. not me. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But by the way, if you keep the focus on other people and just keep getting rid of the person, you're going to keep attracting that same thing over and over and over again in all aspects of your life. Yeah. Because now now you are being a victim is a way of being. Yep. Yeah, totally. Totally. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. So, okay, so you're in this thing and now you start to realize that it's, you know, not feeling good. How do you decide whether you should stay or go? Are you looking for a feel-good summer read? Well, I've got it for you. The New York Times bestseller, The Lost and Found Summer Bookshop, is now available in paperback. Written by Susan Wiggs, the plot is that after her mother's death, Natalie Harper inherits a charming but financially strapped bookshop in San Francisco and becomes a caretaker for her ailing grandfather. She finds that books provide a welcome solace for her grief and struggle. People Magazine calls the book a feel-good family saga, a charming tale about the silver linings of unwanted detours. It's perfect for readers of Jennifer Weiner, Emily Henry, Elin Hildebrand, and more. It's a great book for book clubs. It's great for poolside, on the beach, at the lake, on vacation, whatever. 
The link to purchase it is in the show notes. Grab it and get carried away into your summer escape. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges can rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging, like a narcissist or other high-conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation Cheat Sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. The things that you mentioned in the bio are my life, but fundamentally, they came because I figured out that there is a formula. There is a formula that is controlling our money, our time, and our magic, whether we like it or not. And I like to live in the world that is, not the world I wish that it was, while we work on creating the world that we would love it to be. And now we return to today's show. And there is some payoff to being a victim too. And I talk about that. And that's the kind of thing people don't want to hear. But there is some payoff to being a victim, which is, you know, people feel sorry for you. You get attention. I mean, right. Right. the converse of that is you're never in control of your life. Yeah. You're never empowered, right? You're yeah. always disempowered in some way. And, you know, and also, by the way, that sympathy that people give you is short-lived. Because when you do it again, and it starts showing up in every aspect of your life, and you're always the victim of it, at a certain point, your, your supply, because we, we also have a supply, right, around victimhood. And so pretty soon your supply starts to wear out, and you're going to have to find it somewhere else. Because the people in your life who are watching you do this over and over again, their sympathy is going to start to wane, <laughs> right? We've all been that friend. It's like, yeah, but you've been having this conversation for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. So you're in this thing and now you start to realize that it's, you know, not feeling good. Mm-hmm. How do you decide whether you should stay or go? Well, I think the more you start to look at yourself and the more you start to like notice your patterns of behavior, um, then you can get more objective, right? Then you can start to take a bird's eye view and look at all of these patterns and be like, okay, so this is like, this is how I usually operate, or this is what's happening. And you get a more objective view. Then you can be like, oh no, that's, 
that is not what I choose for myself, right? I mean, self is, this is this comes from self-esteem. A choice to no longer do this comes from self-esteem. The way we build self-esteem is through self-knowledge, self-awareness, self-acceptance, right? So we have to do the work on ourselves to understand how we operate. Like, let's look at, like, t- pick up the hood, look at our operating system, maybe recross some wires and be like that, okay, that doesn't work, right? Do the therapy work, do the deep work. And notice that, and then the more you do that work, the more you're like, this so doesn't align with who I'm trying to be or becoming. And it becomes easier and easier, the more objective you get about it to be like, I don't, I don't actually want that anymore. I don't choose that. That's not who I am anymore, right? When we start changing, like if we're all like a jigsaw puzzle, right? When you start to change the shape of your jigsaw, of your piece of the puzzle, other pieces, they don't fit anymore. And then they, you know, they either have to conform or they pop out. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say is that as you become more and more self-aware and you do the work of healing, it will become more and more evident whether or not this relationship will continue to serve. Totally. Totally. And I know that people want a quick fix, right? They want, you know, the reason I created my program, should I say or should I go, was because I wanted a burning bush. I wanted absolute clarity. I wanted someone to tell me right away, should I say or should I go? And people were like, well, when you know, you'll know. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you, right? And so I get that saying like, do the deeper work on yourself and it will become abundantly clear is maybe not what people want to hear. Um, but it's also the path to clarity, to deeper clarity. Now, I will say that if, you, if you're really clear that you're being abused, right? I mean, look, let's look at it this way. If you're clear that you're being abused and you know that this is an abusive relationship, but you're, you still can't figure out how to get out, to me, that's an indicator that you really do, do need to still do this work. Because if objectively it's clear to you that this is abusive and you shouldn't be in it, but you're still in it, there's obviously deeper work to be done, right? Because anyone can come up to you and be like, dude, this relationship is awful. You need to get out. And they probably have. But if you're still there, why? Right? Right. And that's the work. That's the deeper work. So, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking back to the couple of times I had to deal with this. And and now it's like, okay, it's clear to me that I need to get out of this relationship, but I'm afraid of the backlash from that person. I'm afraid of what other people are going to say or that they're going to line up their flying monkeys and everyone's going to think that I'm the bad person. How do you get past that? Yeah. And that's hard. I mean, look, that is the hardest part of it. I think, um, the, you know, if you're leaving a toxic, abusive relationship or, you know, work relationship, part of the design of that is the gaslighting. Right. And, and, and so, as you say, like the flying monkeys, like there, there's a campaign that's about to start. (laughs) Right. And, And it's, you know, it can be a campaign of disinformation, right? And we all know how powerful that can be. And so this is where it's, first of all, you don't have to do the same thing. You do not then have to go on a campaign of letting everyone know how abusive and toxic they were. 
right? Just if you are really clear in yourself and you have confidence and you have your inner circle, like at this point, it's time to like, you know, um, like shore it up, like real tight, (laughs) right? You've got your core people who are going to support you unquestionably. Um, then, you know, that's how you keep it, you keep it tight and you keep it close to the vest. You do, people are going to ask why you don't have to answer. You can have a stock answer for, I sort of have like three tiers of, of answers, right? There's the close and personal people who actually know the truth. Then there's like the, maybe the middling, like family members that you have one, another stock answer for. And then there's the rest of the world who actually it's none of their business, and you can say it's actually been a very personal decision and, you know, I, I prefer to keep it that way. And if they're out there spreading stuff and you're the one saying this is really personal and keeping your boundaries, some people are going to believe the stories and the flying monkeys. Um, but the more people see you maintaining your integrity and privacy, the more they may actually realize that there's some, there may be something else going on. And if they don't, they are not people that are deserving of being any more in any closer rung, right? So if there's three rungs of information and the outer rung is not buying it and pushing and gaslighting you, that is not an invitation to move them into a closer rung, that is an invitation to keep that boundary because, right? So people on the outer ring start coming to you and being like, gosh, I'm noticing this behavior in this other person. And I'm starting to realize why maybe you made this decision. Sure, invite them in a, another rung. Um, I don't know if that metaphor is making sense, but- No, I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, I think that you just, like what you're saying is like- it, 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 the, the cream is going to rise to the top. The positive people are going to rise to the, and the, and the people who don't like, they're not your people and, and, and that's okay. Yes. You know? Yes. And I will say that my ex-husband had a great way of putting this when we first got divorced. He said, you know, I, I'm really learning who my deep end of the pool friends are and who my shallow end of the pool friends are. And I'm really surprised by who's showing up in, in each place. And, you know, you, the, the hardest part about this is realizing that the people that you thought would have your back often don't. Mm-hmm. And don't be surprised by that. And all it means is that you are holding up a mirror that they do not want to look in right now. And, you know, my best friends of 20 years had the most violent reaction to my divorce. And a year later, they were both divorced. Mm. And that's all it was right? And it was not about me and how I was doing my divorce. It was about the fact that I was holding up a mirror to them that they did not want to look in. It's never about you. I mean, that's the really interesting thing is, you know, I mean, you think it's about you, but I, I mean, I love the book, The Four Agreements, and, you know, I talk about that a lot. And and one of the agreements that you make is, you know, it's four agreements you make with yourself for people who haven't read it. Mm-hmm. And one of the agreements you make is to never take anything personally because the way people treat other people is always a direct reflection of themselves. Absolutely. You know? And, and I love in 12-step programs, they say, you know, what other people think of me is none of my business. Mm-hmm. Like, and and that's a very sort of trite but also very powerful, very powerful slogan, I think, right? When you realize that, not to take it personally, but also like, 
It's not my business. I can't control it. Yeah, you know? there is. I, I, I went to Al-Anon for a period of time because there was somebody in my family that had some addiction issues. And there was a thing in Al-Anon, it's the three C's. I didn't cause it. I can't control it. I can't cure it. I, yep. I think that is so powerful too. It's so powerful. It applies everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, my 20 years of Al-Anon is, has been one of the most powerful experiences of my life to be able to not take, not take so, so many things personally, right? And, and also to figure out what you can control and what you can't control because most of us have some variation of codependency in us. And one of the hallmarks of codependency is that we think we can control things that we can't and we try to control things you know, we think we have no control over things that are actually fully within our control. <laughs> we just got everything in the wrong column, right? And once we start to sort those things out, we realize that like, I can't control if so-and-so um, thinks it's a really bad idea for me to get a divorce or quit this job. I can't control the fact that this may impact my career or my friendships. What I can control is my happiness and my safety and my emotional health, right? On this planet. That's what I can control. Oh, that's another- so good. Oh, so, so good. I love that. <laughs> that like just gave me the chills. I love that. Oh. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, well, it's true though. I mean, and there, there's these people whose tongues are wagging, they're not living your life. They don't have to stand in your shoes. Only you do. Exactly. 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 And, you know, I say this, I was just talking to a friend um, who was interviewing me for an article um, about gray divorce, you know, and how, you know, when you're looking down the barrel at the rest of your life, which, you know, when you hit 50, you're like, oh, wait, that's like now, (laughs) you know, when you're in your twenties and thirties, like you take a vow for the rest of your life and you're like, oh, isn't that cute? And there's, it's a, it's theoretical, but when you, hit 50 and above, it's like, oh no, when I think about the rest of my life, I can actually see it. This isn't theory. Totally. This is happening now, right? And so what do you, like really, how do you want to spend the rest of your life? And that is your choice and your choice alone. Nobody gets to say. It's nobody so else because when you think about like, oh my God, the last 30 years went by so fast. And, you know, the next 30 is like pretty much it. <laughs> Like, right. Like literally it. <laughs> yeah. like How do you want to live it? Job, right. Is this the job? Is this the relationship? Is this like, is this what you want? Is this what you're choosing? And if it is like, by the way, if it is what you're choosing, then powerfully choose it. The worst thing you can do is sit on the fence for 30 years. So if you're looking at your relationship and it's abusive or anything else, but you're like, I, there are, a variety of reasons that are logistical or emotional, whatever, that I'm choosing not to leave, then choose not to leave. Choose to stay in that marriage and give it, give it everything. The worst thing you can do for yourself is sit on the fence and have one foot on one side and one foot on the other side and never have chosen to leave and also never have chosen to be married or be in the job or whatever it is, mm, right? That's so I think good. That's and the if you're going to choose to stay, you choose to stay with your eyes wide open and you don't assume that, the other person is going to change. Exactly. You're choosing you choose to stay this. with this. all that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't be in denial about it. Choose, choose this exactly as it is, but choose it powerfully. Like actually choose it. And if you can't actually fully choose it, 
then you're going to have to choose to not choose it. Yeah. And you know, something that I just thought of when you were saying that is if you choose to stay, see it as a choice, no longer see it as I'm a victim or this is happening to me and I don't have control because you chose that. So there's an empower, there's just such a redemptive power in I had a choice. Exactly. Because on your deathbed, do you want to be like, wow, I was never really committed and I also never left, right? Like it's a, it is like, it's, it, it is powerful to choose. Mm-hmm. It is power and it is a choice, but make a choice. Yeah. Right? So good. Um, I loved this conversation. Where can people learn more about you? I want them to go follow you, check you out, see all your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kateanthony.com is my website with all the things. Um, You can find my podcast there. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find me at the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. Um, On Instagram, I'm at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'm starting to TikTok a little bit. That's at the Divorce Survival Guide. Um, Yeah. And kateanthony.com is always the always the the best sort of the, the hub, hub. <laughs> the hub of all the things yeah yeah go check her out go follow her on instagram go listen to her podcast subscribe to it thank you so much kate anthony so powerful good stuff thanks rebecca thanks for having me i appreciate it thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of negotiate your best life i'm rebecca zong Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life.